You're listening to Have the Nerve, a podcast by Spinal Cord Injuries Australia. I'm Susan Wood, and this month we have a bonus episode for you. We're celebrating diversity of disability and highlighting spinal cord injury awareness for the entire month of September. In this episode, former Australian stealer and Paralympic wheelchair rugby gold medalist Nas Erdem joins me to talk about his life as a Paralympian across five Paralympic Games, his post-Paralympic career, and his hopes for the future of disability in sports. This episode is a recorded video interview, and you can watch it over at Spinal Cord Injuries Australia's YouTube channel. Thank you very, very much for joining me this afternoon. Not a problem, Susan. (laughs) Um, So you are part of the wheelchair rugby team. Do you perhaps want to give a bit of background as to how you actually got involved in the first place? So I had a diving accident way back um, in 1990, so November 1990, and while I was going through rehab, the leisure workers, uh, they told me about a game called wheelchair rugby, and I was in rehab for about 10 months, you know, so it was really good to hear that there was a sport like that, and people were playing socially, so we went out to the local competition just to check it out, and went there with some other patients uh, on that Wednesday night. And it was fantastic to see these guys, you know, playing a game as a team together on court. And you know, they weren't even concerned about their disability. So it was fantastic to see that they were crashing and banging into each other, having a laugh as well. Some people fell out of their chairs. And, you know, anytime you see someone fall out of your chair, you're going to say, oh, shit, you know, has he hurt himself? But they were laughing and making jokes, you know, saying things like, um, I can't feel my legs and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, this is great, you know, because they're not really worried about their disability. And I thought, this is going to be good for me, you know, if I can get involved. So I loved it from the first time I saw it and thought it would be a great idea to play only to continue my rehab and also get stronger and play a team sport. And also learn from the other guys too, you know, I mean, um, what co- what kind of cars they drive, um, you know, what sort of modifications they've got. Do they use slide boards? Um, how do they get their chair apart? How do they get it into the car? So it was more of learning how they live their life as well, you know, um, and also working towards more independence. Yeah, so you were talking about sliding boards and mm. just some real-life world experiences. What were some of the key elements that you started learning from being surrounded by other people with similar disabilities oh, and yourself? Oh, it was great to see. I mean, some of these guys were married, you know, they had relationships, um, not only before their accidents, you know, some of the guys had relationships after their injuries. So it was good to know that, you know, you can meet a girl, um, you know, you get married, have kids and all that sort of stuff, go out, drink if you wanted to, travel. And even though I heard that from the physios and nurses and all that in the rehab unit, hearing them telling or talking about their experiences, um, you know, just, it was proof, you know, it wasn't just someone telling me a story. It was evidence that um, these people were getting on with their lives and they were good lives as well. So you've been in the 2000 games, 2004 games, 2008 games, 2012 games, 2016 games. Tell me about the training process to be part of a Paralympic team. Okay. So when I first started, you know, it wasn't about, my goal wasn't, you know, going to the Paralympics, you know, it wasn't traveling. It wasn't um, 
you know, playing five Paralympic games or anything like that. You know, they were stuff that came along. You know, the reasons I started and it was different and, um, you know, just being good at it and sticking at it was really beneficial for me, you know. I mean, the training program when I first started, it was just social, you know. You just turn up once a week and play, you know, Wednesday night. After that, I was selected a few years later into the state team. So we trained a couple of times a week, uh, which was good, you know, just made me uh, more fitter. And then when I made the Australian team in 97, 98, uh, that was, uh, again, you know, it was like a six-day training program. So it was pretty full on, something I had had to uh, follow um, to be the best that I could be. I did a little bit of a stalk of your Instagram profile. Hope you don't mind. Okay. Um, That's all right. <laughs> and <laughs> you mentioned in one of the posts that you thought that the Sydney 2000 games were the best games. Um, what made it so awesome for you? Yeah. Now, the Paralympic Games started in 64, I think the first Paralympic Games. Um, and they were just ad hoc, you know, they'd just get some people playing different sports. Um, so it was pretty amateurish uh, all the way to Atlanta. I think Atlanta was a little bit better. And uh, that was in 96, I think. I, I didn't go to that one. And wheelchair rugby was a demonstration sport. So it wasn't even a middle sport at that time. Uh, in Sydney, when we went there, it was just amazing. You know, I think it's the first time I heard and the media said it too. Um, there were stories everywhere that first time they used volunteers in such a huge capacity where they were actually part of the games as well and the organization yeah it was very professional all the facilities were great you know i mean i don't know where the paralympians stayed during the previous games but we used all the same facilities all the same accommodation that the olympians used as well and yeah, everyone was just raving about um, Sydney being the best games ever, you know, and it was from what I saw, you know. I mean, I, there was not one thing I thought that they could have improved and previous pa- Paralympians, um, you know, said the same thing as well. You, that being your, I guess, debut experience into uh, the Paralympic Games must have been unreal considering all the other um, Paralympic Games you had probably watched beforehand. It was like a dream in a way, you know, because you never expect to um, be there at such a huge event. All of our games were sellouts as well, you know, when there were people trying to sneak in and, you know, buy tickets from the black market and all that. I mean, it's funny to say that, but it was true, yeah. When I I couldn't even get tickets for my my friends to watch the games. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And pretty much everywhere you went, you know, I mean, people asking for autographs. I mean, that's weird, you know. Why would you want my autograph, you know? I mean, that's the way I looked at it. Uh, People wanting photos. It was just pretty crazy. Your last uh, Paralympics Games was was 2016. Um, What have you been doing since then? Well, since then... I haven't given rugby up fully. I mean, I still play locally. Uh, I still play, um, you know, for uh, Victoria. I try out for um, COVID's been, um, you know, a big problem, of course. You know, we haven't been able to play or train um, in wheelchair rugby for 18 months now. But after I retired, I was invited by BSF, uh, which is an organisation like Wheelchair Sports Australia, I guess, Um in Indonesia, so they're based in Bali. 
So they invited me and another player to um, come coach and play in one of the teams over there. So ever since I've been going away uh, to the tournaments they have, have in Southeast Asia, so Singapore, for example, Bali, uh, Vietnam, uh, all those sorts of places. So um, I've taken the team up, like an Australian team up, whenever we've gone there. And the idea is to coach them and give them experience um, against, you know, really experienced players as well. So, uh, and that's been fantastic, you know, and that's an area that I want to continue working with and playing in Southeast Asia, not only competing, but teaching them the game, doing some coaching with them as well. Yeah, so I guess watching all these younger people with disabilities come out and participate more in sport and social and community activities. Um, I guess my final question to you is, what are your hopes for the future of adaptive sports? And my hopes are that, uh, you know, they get better and better, you know. I mean, there's so many sports that people aren't aware of. I was just telling someone the other day, you know, I've been to five Paralympic Games and you see all the other athletes, you know, from the Australian teams in other sports. I feel bad about this, but I actually didn't know what sports they played because I was con- concentrating on the wheelchair rugby. This time, though, uh, a lot of the athletes, you know, they're familiar. I, I know them. And uh, I was able to watch what sports they played. So I felt bad not knowing before and seeing them in action this time has been really good for me, you know, just uh, the other sports and the other athletes, what they do as well, you know, and that's been an eye-opener for me. I just hope that continues. And uh, with the telecast that Channel 7 done this year, I mean, it's the best ever, you know. They had it on for hours each day live. I think it was 14 hours or something. Yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy. That's so fantastic. And not only that, they had uh, the streaming service as well on 7 Plus. Um, So it's really good that, you know, the Australian community is interested and um, sharing it, you know, promoting it as well. I mean, that's uh, really good for us to see um, that, you know, people appreciate what we do. Yeah, I guess at the end of the day, representation matters right so it does yeah so if you're represented on a regular streaming service or mainstream television and it's not because it's just like a quota but it's because they legitimately take interest that's the best bit yeah that's right that's right you know going back to sydney and the the papers would have an article here and there and on the news it would show as in um, play of the day, you know, 10 seconds at the end of the news that have play of the day and show, you know, wheelchair rugby or one of the other sports. And that was it. You know, this is going back years and years ago. But now every channel is showing it. Every, everyone's talking about it, which is fantastic. Um, I saw something come up. Uh, it's, a, it's probably... Um, it's an issue at the moment and people are picking up on it uh, as well. The Olympians actually, you know, gold medalists get 20,000 or something like that. Mm. Silver medalists get 15,000. Uh, but that doesn't transfer to the Paralympians. I mean, the gold medalists, um, they, they get um, zero, for example. And, um, yeah, so there's a lot of people, um, I've been seeing it on the internet, that are saying, you know, that's pretty unfair. Um, same goes with able body sports as well. You know, you've got the men's tennis, for example, and the female's tennis. The prize money is not the same. It's been getting better. 
Um, so it's the same issue with the Olympics and Paralympics, I think, now. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we don't do it for the money, but, uh, you know, I would have loved to have got 20000 had I won a gold medal. That would have I mean, been you really did. Good. You won. <laughs> I won. That's right. And, and yeah, that, that's the thing, you know. You try to be the best you can, and if you achieve, you know, fantastic. And if you don't, you know, that doesn't matter so much as well, you know, because uh, for a lot of people, it's about competing, you know, it's not about being, the, well, it is, you know, hoping to be the best in the world, but if you're not able to, you know, big deal in a way, you know, but um, yeah, I guess the issue now is quality, you know, and uh, does that matter to people? Yeah, that's right. And I think that's, um, we can only see, go up and up and see more of a change as people yeah. become more familiar with the Paralympics at all, other yeah. adaptive sports, more people with disabilities getting out in society, yeah. just doing whatever, you know, integrating into society and yeah, inclusiveness. Right. People have got to realise that, you know, we don't just show up and compete on the day. You know, like I said, you know, we're training six days a week like any other uh, professional athlete, and but we're not rewarded because we do that. Some people want to be re- rewarded, some people don't, you know, but... Yeah, you know, it'll be good to have that discussion as yeah. well. All right, Naz, thank you. Thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Um, yeah, it was very insightful. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me, Susan. <laughs> On the day Naz and I recorded, the Australian government announced that the Australian Paralympic medal winners will receive equal financial reward to their Olympic counterparts. For the Tokyo 2020 Games, the Australian Paralympic team sent their largest contingent of athletes. They came back with 21 gold, 29 silver and 30 bronze medals. When everyone comes together, not just people with disabilities but our able-bodied counterparts, we see true equality and society change. We're sharing stories of disability representation, diversity and information on our social media all month. If you want to read them, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you like this episode and you like this podcast, please give us a five-star review if you're listening to this through Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening.